Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham, the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Glad to be with you guys this afternoon. Uh, first of all, for those of you uh, who are listening live, because we do have a podcast stream set up, I'll give you that information in a minute. But if you were listening live just now, Kira Davis, uh, my colleague at Red State filling in on the Dan Bongino Show, did a fantastic job. I want to actually uh, respond to something that she said in a little bit, but I have to start out with this story today. Medical experts say the erectile dysfunction drug Viagra isn't a proven cure for COVID-19 despite false claims made online. Y'all, please stop. We, we, we know that there are medicines that help mitigate the symptoms. We don't need another reason for the scam emails to come back around and say, are you having difficulty in the bedroom or do you have COVID-19? Click here to buy the pill for 89 or whatever, whatever it is. We, we don't need any more of those emails going around. We don't need any more of these, these, these scam codes. Since when did snake oil become popular again? That's what I need to know. Thank you, Mark. We're... Y'all, y'all, we we have medicines that are out there and they work. There's and, and until the Pfizer pill comes out, there's no guaranteed cure. We have the antigen treatments if you can find them, because the Biden administration has been very incompetent in, in getting that out to where it needs to go. But um, we have all sorts of things that can mitigate a lot of the symptoms. When I had COVID uh, the week before Christmas. Um, Christmas on the Saturday, I, I found out the Monday before Christmas that I had that I, I had tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, I fought it with uh, DayQuil and NyQuil, severe cold and flu. And, and actually, I like the liquid one because they had one variant that had honey in it, and that eased the sore throat that I was having because I had what was essentially um, a sinus infection. It felt like a sinus infection. I thought that's what I had. And a lot of those symptoms were mitigated with that and the fact that I originally had gotten treated for a sinus infection with the cortisone steroid shot. Um, so... We have medicines that work. We don't need to we, we don't need to dig into whether or not Viagra or Cialis can really do something to to help uh, with COVID nineteen. So please, um, the fact that the Associated Press had to fact check this, I feel sorry for that fact checker. Normally, I don't feel sorry for fact checkers. I think it's a, a BS industry. Uh, fact checkers are just uh, journalists who remember what their job actually is to actually tell the facts. And most fact checkers are really just partisan hacks at this point. Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post is just horrible. Uh, PolitiFact is is awful at it. Um, it's all partisan uh, fact checking. Now, Biden has had some doozies here recently, and even uh, Kessler at the Washington Post has had to call him out. Even CNN's had to call him out. Uh, Biden recently made another claim about some time that he was arrested for something, some civil rights thing, and it turns out it's not true at all. It got all the Pinocchios of the Washington Post. I mean, at, at some point, uh, I said it the other day, at some point we have to recognize that continuing to put Biden out there and gearing him up for a run in 2024 is elder abuse. Really, it was elder abuse during the, the 2020 campaign, but now it's just gotten worse and worse. But please, please... For the love of all that's holy, folks, we need to stop looking to see if Viagra can be a cure for COVID-19. I feel like I could end the show on that. Like That's the PSA for the day. Like we, we, Yeah, we have, what, 50 minutes left in the show. I'm not sure there's anything else to go on there. That's the PSA for the day. Good. Thank you and good night, everybody. 
so we've we've got a good bit to talk about today. It's it's one of those things where again, late in the afternoon, something happens that kind of re makes me refocus on uh, what I want to talk about today. And let's talk about it, it was actually in the Fox News update uh, just a few minutes ago. Starting on January nineteenth, the White House announced today. Uh, the Americans will be able to order their tests or order their rapid at-home tests online at covidtest.gov starting next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. A week from now. At a time where right now a lot of places around the country are at their peak and are even starting to come over that peak on the Omicron variant. A week from now. The Biden administration will launch a website where you can order your at-home rapid test. And folks, don't worry, because the ever-efficient U.S. government will have those tests shipped to you within 7 to 12 days. Actually, hang on. Wait. Okay, I did a little, uh, did a little digging there, and uh, 7 to 12 days is actually longer than the CDC's guidance on quarantining if you think you have COVID-19. So if you think you have COVID-19, just quarantine, and you will actually come through it before the rapid test can come in. He prom- Joe Biden promised a month ago that they will buy up these rapid tests and make them available to the American public. Get these rapid at-home tests to you. It took a month. It took a month to announce that they were going to launch a website in another week and that it could take up to two weeks for those tests to get to you. I'm not sure if there's any better example of why we should be leaving more things to the private sector. Government bureaucracy is not handling it. Biden promised, he promised, I'm going to say this every day that we're talking about COVID-19, Biden promised to put a stop to the virus. He said, I'm going to shut this virus down. And it's only gotten worse. More people are getting sick. More hospitalizations are going up again. And y'all, while Omicron is actually not that bad in terms of its severity, the problem is, People are getting sick and they're having to stay home. And businesses are having to close because they don't have enough workers. Schools are having to shut down because there's not enough teachers or because the teachers unions want to walk out. But we're missing a lot of economic growth right now because the president who vowed to shut down the virus actually didn't do anything to shut down the virus. By trying to make the solution a federal solution, saying that the government's going to handle it, and then having to go back a month later, several months later, in fact, and say the government solution's not there, things are actually worse. The econ- this is one of the reasons the economy hasn't gotten better. It's going to continue to get worse. This is the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL. You can join in the conversation by calling in 232-1542. Also, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham or go to Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can comment there. Be glad to respond to you on any of these platforms. We'll have more when we come back here in just a minute. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Joe Cunningham here with you today uh, going over the news of the day again. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant that uh, just a little while ago, the White House announced 
that in a week, so five weeks after they announced that there would be a uh, a way for people to order rapid tests at uh, for their home uh, from the government, uh, several weeks later they have announced that you have to wait another week uh, in order to order those, and then it would be up to two weeks to get those tests at home. Government efficiency at its absolute finest. By the way, just an interesting thing. Um, the uh, the Postal Service, in uh, before the 2020 election, raised warning signs. They, they were very worried that they would be unable to handle 50 million mail-in ballots. But they seemed perfectly fine with the idea of shipping out you know, millions, hundreds of millions of, uh, of rapid tests to Americans, potentially up to 500 million, because that's how many the government ordered. So it was a major source of pride when, uh, for the, uh, the Democrat-led media when they could see the numbers going up in a red state, in a Republican state. Oh, well, it's these, these Trump-supporting uh, anti-vaccine uh, hicks and rubes in the southern states, in the red states. And that's why the numbers going up. And then it started hitting the Democratic bastions, the big cities, the East Coast states, the Democratic-led states, uh, and their surges, their numbers went up. And all of a sudden they said, well, we, we, can't, we can't go around shaming people. We need to be focused more on the severity of the hospital and the deaths, the hospitalization and the deaths, more than we need to focus on the case numbers. Chris Elizabeth, CNN, who makes uh, seven figures, I think he's bragged about making eight figures a year for being a, a, a run-of-the-mill analyst, right, in the absolute base anal- uh, analy- uh, analysis at CNN, um, had this long Twitter thread about how uh, we need to stop, we, we need to start focusing on these, uh, on, on the severity. We, we need to stop, you know, trying to make a, a mockery of somebody catching COVID. We need to stop, you know, the media did it. Saliza himself wrote about the partisan nature of the vaccines and the case numbers. They did it to shame us. If you got COVID-19 before the major northern surges, you were mocked. You were made fun of. And to this day on social media, it still happens. Um, the late comic Mitch Hedberg had this great bit. Um, and and uh, he mentioned in one of his bits that alcoholism is one of the only diseases you can get mad at somebody for getting. It's like you can't, you can't yell at somebody and, and say, you, you're an alcoholic in the same way you can say, you have lupus. You know, it doesn't work. But now it's the same way for COVID-19. People still will get angry at you if you get COVID-19. And that leads me uh, to this you know, horrible story of the Foothill uh, Christian School in California. The California uh, Department of Social Services went in and shut down a Christian school because they violated the state mask mandate. And the pastor and the, and the folks at the school and the parents have all reported basically being harassed by the California state government because of it. The heavy-handed nature of democratic governance when it comes to these kind of emergencies is a major issue. They get the power, they have this fear of the virus, and they want to use it because they think truly that government is the way to shut these problems down. 
And it's not. It, it, it has not worked yet. The government has been inept from start to finish at trying to, to, to stop the virus, to shut down the virus, as Biden said. I think it was the, the Foothill Christian School in California, shut down by the California state government because it wouldn't follow a mask mandate. A mask mandate that we know from the data that's out there didn't help anything. A lot of the times because people were wearing cloth masks and cloth masks, unless you had an N65 type filter in, sewed into it, didn't do anything to stop COVID-19. And we had these mask mandates all over the country. And it didn't slow the spread. Y'all remember at the beginning, 14 days, 14 days shutdown to slow the spread. And the spread didn't slow. And so the shutdown stayed and the shutdown kept going. And even when we switched administrations, things got worse. Nothing was working. The government solutions weren't there. It was the states where the government got out of the way that the solutions worked when uh, Brian Kemp of Georgia reopened the state and even even got criticized by Donald Trump for reopening his state. He, he reopened his state. There was a, a piece in The Atlantic uh, that basically uh, said that Brian Kemp was about to murder all Georgians. Brian Kemp reopened his state. Ron DeSantis entered into quick partnerships with uh, the grocery store chains, with Publix, to get, uh, to get uh, shots out there. He uh, partnered with private health companies to get the antigen treatments out there. He opened up drive through testing sites. He partnered with Walgreens and CVS and these other chains to let private business really be out there. He just wanted to use the government resources to expedite it. The Biden administration's solution has been to buy all of these things up and then distribute them themselves. And you have states that are complaining about antigen treatment shortages and the fact that these at-home rapid tests are not available and, again, won't be available to order for another week and then won't be at your house until for 7 to 12 days after that. The government solutions are not working, and Biden himself had to admit defeat on that a couple weeks ago when he said there is no federal solution. After saying there was going to be a federal solution, that he would shut it down. And then you have, as a result, that poll that came out, that Quinnipiac poll that came out on Wednesday. And it shows Biden's approval numbers at 33 to 35%, depending on who you're asking. And what's worse, we have an, another poll that came out, Rasmussen. Now, they're, they're kind of iffy, but they have it at 38% approval rating right now. Uh, so it's getting bad. Because of his failure to handle this, it spiraled into other things. We have shortages. We have a, a, we have a struggling economy. Inflation hit 7%. People can't go back to work, either because they're sick or they're being quarantined. Or because of a mask of, of a vaccine mandate that they didn't agree with and they were sent home because of it. The government solutions did not work. And as a result, economic problems, supply problems, coronavirus problems, they are all dragging his numbers down. Quinnipiac, 35% approval rating. 
Economist YouGov poll, 45% approval rating. Reuters Ipsos, 45%. Rasmussen, 38%. I think I'm leaning a little more toward actually uh, liking the Rasmussen compared to the others because Quinnipiac and the Economist poll uh, were registered voters, and that's a very inaccurate sample. Rasmussen actually used uh, 1,500 likely voters, which tends to be a little bit more accurate in the polling. But it's not good for Biden. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542 here on News Talk 965 KPEL. We've got all this and more coming up. Be sure as well to check online at your favorite podcast location. You can find this podcast, The Joe Cunningham Show, available for your listening device. Thank you, guys, and we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL, 232-1542. If you want to call in, take part in the conversation. So I, I, I want to point out that the media is really, uh, they're, they're hoping for two things right now, because we know 2022 is going to be a bad year for the Democrats. The polling shows this. Uh, I just referenced the polling on Biden's approval rating, and it's dragging the Democrats down with it. The Quinnipiac poll has the uh, Republicans as a uh, one-point favor in the House and generic ballot and a four-point favor in the Senate uh, for a generic, a generic ballot. So that's none of this is good news. Uh we're, we're 10 months away from the midterm elections, and none of it's good news for the Democrats. It is not looking like it's going to get any better, and not in a timely enough fashion where it's really going to help in the midterms. So the media really wants there to be a fight between amidst Republicans. And right now they're focusing on the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, and one of the favorites, should John, whether or not Donald Trump runs in 2024 or not, they want to they want to pit Donald Trump against another Republican who has been gaining a lot of popularity on the national scene, and that is Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Now, I I I have to let you know, I am a fan of Ron DeSantis. I think that he has done a lot of the things right in his state. Uh, at the same time that former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, you know, between sexually harassing women, um, was sending nursing home patients who had tested positive back to nursing homes. DeSantis sent state health officials to nursing homes, got the elderly tested, and if they tested positive, got them somewhere separate so that they wouldn't infect the others. And, and Florida is a major retirement state. So you have a lot of retirees there and a lot of, a lot of folks in assisted living in nursing homes that needed to, to be kept safe, and DeSantis did that. He made vaccines available. He made the Regeneron treatments available. He's done a lot to fight COVID, largely, like I said in the last segment, by getting government out of the way. So he appears on a conservative podcast, the Ruthless Podcast. It's it's fantastic if you ever want to give it a listen. Uh, they they get key conservatives and key uh, uh, politicians in there to talk about political issues. And at the twenty two minute mark of the the, the episode that dropped today. Uh, they discuss how the media is actually driving a wedge between DeSantis and Trump. So you had Mediate, uh, the the media reporting organization, uh, put out a story that said that Donald Trump was taking a, a, a excuse excuse the unintentional pun here jab at Ron DeSantis by talking about politicians who won't disclose their vaccine status and 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 DeSantis kind of flubbed on that question on Fox whether he had gotten the the booster or not. And it's not that it's anybody's business really, but. Uh, he, he kind of flubbed on that. And so Mediate was right. And Trump did not say DeSantis anywhere in his bid on that. 
But the media said, oh, he's attacking DeSantis. So while this interview is happening, and, and he says the media is trying to drive a wedge between, DeSantis is saying the media is trying to drive a wedge between himself and Trump. During this interview, CNN uh, political reporter uh, Manu Raju tweeted out that DeSantis says one of his biggest regrets was not speaking out louder on Trump and men calls for lockdowns during the pandemic. He didn't mention Trump. He just said early on he wished he had spoken out louder about the government shutdowns. He did not agree with them. Keep in mind, the president of the United States actually had no authority to shut down the, the, the entire economy for the U.S. It was advised that states go into shutdown mode to help prevent the spread. It was, it was encouraged by Trump's administration. But Trump didn't have the power to do that, a fact which the media excoriated him over for not doing. And DeSantis said he wished he had spoken out against those shutdowns sooner because he thinks it did a lot of damage. I think knowing what I know now, that if it was a threat earlier, I would have been much louder. Talking about the shutdowns. Never once did he say he wished he would have spoken out against Trump's shutdowns. He just said he wished he had spoken out against the, the shutdowns. Trump never said uh, DeSantis is a coward for not speaking up about his vaccine status. All he said was, I, I, all he did was criticize politicians who wouldn't disclose their vaccination status. But they, the, the media is so desperate for a fight between Trump and the next leading Republican. They want this. They want the focus on this. Because they think it will help distract from what's about to happen in 2022. They want to focus now on 2024. And I told you guys yesterday, the Democrats are looking more and more like they don't have a shot in 2024 because they don't have a bench. They don't have anybody that can feasibly run in 2024 and really rally voters to their side. Now, something big can happen in the next two years and maybe things turn around. Events can happen. Events can change things. But if the Democratic Party, being driven by its loud, progressive, vocal minority, continues to uh, attack and run out more centrist Democrats who want to run for office, they're not going to have a bench of palatable candidates come 2024. If Biden runs again, he's going to come in extremely unpopular. He's going to be the Jimmy Carter of that race. If he doesn't run, his vice president has a lower approval rating than he does. In fact, just today, Kamala Harris had this amazing word salad of an answer in an interview. I need to, uh, I need to pull that up in a second and just read to you the words that came out of her mouth. Because it's impossible for me to come anywhere close to describing it. But anyway, So if Biden doesn't run, then it's... Can't be Kamala Harris. She's she's awful. She she uh, Peggy Noonan, who was a columnist for the the uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, famously wrote that Kamala Harris likes the politics of an issue more than an issue, and it's true. She doesn't like to solve the issues. She just likes to talk about the issues. But she's become incoherent even in that. So if his vice president can't run to take his spot, who else? Pete Buttigieg. You always notice that anytime there's a negative story about Pete Buttigieg, all of a sudden a negative story about Kamala Harris comes out, don't you? I think that's interesting. 
some House of Cards stuff going on in Washington, D.C. with all of that. But again, Buttigieg disappeared for a long time and nobody noticed because he was on paternity leave. In the midst of a transportation crisis, he just disappeared. Nobody even thought about asking where he was. He was just gone, was not seen. Nobody missed Pete Buttigieg. Do you think they'll vote for him for president? Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders and, and the types of Democrats that like Bernie Sanders and like his politics will scare away moderate voters, moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans alike, and independents. They will run away from a Bernie Sanders type because that is far too much. They're not palatable. And it's getting to be a disaster for the Democrats trying to figure out what they're going to do in 2022 and 2024. So they've got to make it appear that the Republicans are infighting. They've got to try to make it to where it's DeSantis and Trump going at each other's throats. And it's not. Are the two going to be political rivals if Trump decides to run in 2024? Yes, they will be political rivals. I'm still not convinced Trump is running in 2024. And even if he does, I'm not sure that, that Trump ends up being the nominee. But regardless of that, they're not fighting right now. They're not going into open war right now. Everybody wants them to be in open warfare right now because they think it will help their side. But DeSantis is focused on Florida. And he wants to make sure that if he does run in 2024, he wants to make sure that his state is left in good hands. And he's not worried about Donald Trump right now. He doesn't, frankly, care about what Donald Trump thinks about him, his vaccine status, or the way he's handled his state. DeSantis is focused on the people of Florida. The Democrats are focused on helping, I mean, the media is focused on helping the Democrats. Because they are so heavily invested in this idea that the Republicans are these white supremacist, totalitarian dictators who want to take over America and eliminate democracy, that the very idea of Republicans winning makes them nauseous. They have worked themselves in this frenzy over it, so they need Republicans to be shown as being as chaotic and that embracing of, of wild and crazy ideas so that the Democrats don't look as bad. 232-1542, when we come back from the break, we will wrap up with this. And I have to tell you the absolutely insane thing that Kamala Harris said when we come back. You can also follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and on Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL. Um, I, I, have to, I have to read this to you guys. I have to, um, I'm not going to play the audio from it because I'm, I'm worried that she might cackle somewhere in the middle of it and it, it just throws us all off. But y'all, Kamala Harris was asked in an interview if it's time to change the administration's strategy on COVID-19. Her response, and I'm quote, it is time for us to do what we have been doing. And that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. If you're driving, you may need to pull over onto the shoulder, take a few minutes, get a deep breath, and try to stop an aneurysm from rupturing in your head. 
Because if you try to think about that string of words for too long, something horrible is going to happen to your brain. It makes no sense. She has lost her grip. She has no idea how to respond to these questions. She is not prepared to handle these interviews. She has to go out and do the interviews because Biden can't. Biden's not being allowed by his, by his staff to go do formal press events. So they have to send Kamala Harris out there. And she's not getting prepared by her staff for some of these questions. Part of that is the fact that her staff is in chaos. This is something that's carried over from her time as a prosecutor. She cannot maintain an office. Her staff is, un- is uncontrollable. And there's a lot of infighting. And people just run amok in the office. And it's carried over from her time as a prosecutor to her time as a senator and now to her time as vice president. She is constantly having senior aides leave. One of them is going back to uh, the media to be on MSNBC, Simone Sanders. But she has no trusted confidants in her office. She has no experienced staff, really. Nobody that's got any chemistry with her and tries to help her get better. And her office is Fully defensive. If you criticize her for what she's saying, you're a sexist and a racist. It's not the fact that she says things like, it is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. It's not that. It's the fact that you're a racist and you're a sexist if you criticize her. If you point out the fact that when she gets nervous, she cackles like a madwoman, you're a sexist. If you try to point out that her office is in chaos, you're a sexist and a racist. The most powerful black woman in American history, you're a sexist and a racist for daring to oppose her. And that is why they are in trouble come the next two years. They cannot handle criticism. I've actually, you know, so I've had people who have asked me in the past, Joe, why do you write and why do you talk about what the Democrats could do to fix things? Why do you want them to listen to Joe Manchin? It might actually help their position. Here is the dirty little secret. I can write these words and I can give suggestions to the Democrats because nobody in the Democratic Party is listening to Joe Cunningham at redstate.com and News Talk 965 KPL. They're not listening to somebody who doesn't believe the things they do. They're not listening to somebody who believes that their policies might not actually work. They have closed their tent to new ideas and suggestions. You cannot tell Kamala Harris, hey, maybe you need to, you know, start getting prepped for interviews a little bit better. Maybe you need a staff that can show you how to handle the press and how to handle these interviews and how to handle negative stories. Maybe you need a staff that can help you handle the immigration crisis that you were put in charge of. You make any of those suggestions. Nope, you're a racist and sexist. That's it. That's, that's, that's the defense. You're an authoritarian supporter of white supremacy if you don't want the Democrats to get rid of the filibuster. Oh, I'm sorry. They filibustered Ted Cruz's uh, uh, sanctions bill. In the midst of the Democrats talking about the filibuster being a relic of Jim Crow and being a, a tool to uphold white supremacy... Ted Cruz has a bill that has bipartisan support that would put sanctions on Russia and the Nord Stream and, and make America competitive 
in the natural energy sector to get uh, some of that business in Europe at a time when the Russians are actively invading the Ukraine. I'm sorry, Ukraine, not the Ukraine. At a time when they're invading Ukraine. At a time when we're being warned of possible human rights abuses that are coming if the Russians get further into Ukraine. We can't put a sanction on that energy pipeline from Russia to Europe. Because it would, uh, I'm not even sure the reason why, but they filibustered it. Chuck Schumer and the Democrats filibustered that bill. It went down uh, 55 to 44, because I think there's a senator who's in quarantine right now. They filibustered a sanctions bill against Russia, who they said stole the 2016 election. They filibustered a sanctions bill against Russia because Ted Cruz put it up there. Oh, but if you don't do away with the filibuster, you're upholding white supremacy. There is no sense to any of the statements or agenda proposals or voting habits or anything like that among the Democrats right now. There is no unity. There is only chaos among the Democrats right now. They cannot figure out how to move forward. My buddy Eric Erickson wrote earlier today that he feels a supreme amount of sympathy for Chuck Schumer because Chuck Schumer knows full well that this is not how you run the Senate and that it will cost him his beloved Senate leadership spot. But if he doesn't run the Senate the way he's running it, he's going to get challenged from his left by AOC and the squad because they are both reside in the same state. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would love to be in the Senate because there's six years and there's a guaranteed six years in the term rather than two in the House. So he has to defend himself from the left by running the Senate the way he's running it. So either he runs the Senate the way that he's running it now and so he doesn't get challenged from the left, but the, but the Democrats lose the Senate and he becomes the minority leader. Or he runs it the way that he really should be if he wants to maintain you know, power but then he gets challenged from his left and potentially loses his entire Senate seat. So you almost have to laugh, except you, you kind of have to feel bad for him a little bit. Not too much. You don't have to feel too bad for Chuck Schumer. He, he made this bed. Now he's got a lie in it. But it's a very tough position to be put in. And again, I can say this, and I can say Chuck Schumer should swap because the squad's probably not that big a threat to him. And I could say this and that. And they're not going to listen. I can give the Democrats all the advice I want. I can give them the win. If I could read the future and could give them a winning strategy, they're still not going to listen to me because I am a conservative. And they've closed their tent off to people like me. Twitter, Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can also find the podcast version of the show. Just go to Apple's uh, or Apple or Spotify. Look up the Joe Cunningham Radio Show. You'll find the podcast of the show there. We're updating it every day. You guys have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you guys again next week.